Welcome to the Shift Daily Podcast. I'm Shane Hewitt. It's a daily bite-sized morsel of our four-hour middle-of-the-night program. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. The Shift Daily Podcast starts right now. It's amazing what a week can do and what you can learn in a week. A few days ago on Monday night, Mike called in. He was concerned about COVID, his sister waiting for a transplant, and shared with us his concerns about those people getting forgotten in all of this. So what we've been able to do is put some names to all of it. And uh, the call from Mike, this is how our conversation this week all started. What happened is back in March, with all this COVID breakout here in, in the country, the, the hospitals across the country, they, they closed down uh, the living donor program in terms of kidney kidney transplants from living recipients here because uh, they were preparing their, their hospital surgical suites for, for the recovery uh, suites. They turned them all into COVID uh, treatment centers. So it shut down the entire program from March to July. Toby Boulay from Lethbridge joins us now. If you don't know the uh, story about Toby, his son Logan uh, played for the Humboldt Broncos, passed away in the bus crash. And uh, Logan's organs went out to um, help and save, depending on the situation, many different people. Um, and was uh, Toby was the number six? Um, he donated to five five organs and one set of tissues, cornea transplant. Cornea, that was the one. Right. Um, so. And um, and so now there is a whole network of people that their lives are altered because of Logan's generosity. Now, Toby. Can you tell us, I remember you shared with me the story of your surprise before about the Oregon stuff and how Logan had taken that upon himself as something that mattered to him and uh, and created that himself. Can you tell us that part of the story just to sort of build the, the base here? Yeah. In 2017, Logan was training with a trainer named Rick Suggett. Rick passed away. He was 58. And he, his, family, his family donated his organs. They had a family conversation, donated his organs. Logan was inspired by Rick's act. Uh, Logan was at that time a uh, 19-year-old kid, young man, I guess. And then he told me that summer of 2017, Dad, if I pass away, I want to donate my organs. And Anytime. I just said, you know, that's nice. You'll be 85 when he wants them. And, of course, fast forward to April 7th. April 6th was the crash. April 7th is when Logan passed away. My wife, before they could ask in the, the room where everybody goes to, you see it on TV all the time, on TV shows. Well, that little room, we're in that room. And my wife, Bernie, just offered Logan's organs before they could ask. And they were, the five faces were very shocked. And then I piped up quick, said, well, Logan talked to me about it. So we'd had that conversation. And so the rest is well-documented. And now it's up to 300,000 Canadian blood services has the number 300,000 Canadians have registered in the name of the Humboldt Broncos and Logan Boulay. So. Uh, and me, too. Um, I right. did it. And it was a pain in the ass. I, um, I At first, it was a pain in the ass because I had to do the My Alberta ID, and then I had to wait for the PIN code, and then I had to fill out the thing. And now I did confirm it when I had my driver's license updated this year. You can just go do it at the registry. They put the little heart on your driver's license in Alberta. This being a national show, it's a little different in every province. Yeah. But... Um, 
we um and now so it's there it's there it's done you can even ask every time you change your license and just say just want to confirm that i'm down as for me i was doing um organ donor i didn't wasn't comfortable with the science part but the organ donor i was 100 percent in on and i said i'm down for organ donor no science right and she's like yep that's what you're down for and i was like perfect and so you can even ask that question yeah no yeah exactly what did you yes. say we didn't ask no i mean we can even just ask that question Right. And we, um, you know, and I, that, that stuff has even changed Toby since you and I started talking. Um, yes. The Alberta government has trying to make it more seamless. And there's another whole show. If you want to talk about another show about what the kidney transplant was kidney don't kidney Alberta is doing right now, uh, our letter writing campaign to the minister. And that's yeah. quite interesting. That's another whole show. Okay. Well, we'll do it. Uh, we'll do it. We'll get Jason in touch and we'll book it. We'll do it. I mean, th- this, uh, because of Mike's conversation, I always say on the show, uh, Toby, that uh, sharing our hearts and, you know, respectful integrity, kindness, and all those things, agree or disagree, on this show is the key to making a difference. We're going, we've gone through politics, we've gone through COVID, we've gone through all these things, and those core fundamentals change everything. And, um, and so, yeah, so we'll, that's why Mike set it in, and, you know, that's what we treat it, and this is what we're going to do. So we'll do that too. Now, the experience for you in this, um, knowing those pieces of the puzzle, I mean, you've met an awful lot of people uh, because of that one gesture, haven't you? Yes, we've met lots and lots of people. We've spoken about 25 events, I say across Canada, from Ottawa to Vancouver, spoken live, spoken virtual conferencing, been flown here, flown there. We've met lots of people, Lots of we've heard lots of stories, and a lot, a lot of people are, are very grateful to Logan. Logan's story and the Green Shirt Day effect, Green Shirt Day and Logan Bully effect are the, it's the, as Graham sure, the president, CEO of Cane Blood Services, it is the number one thing in Canadian history from one event that has made movement in organ donation registrations in this country. That's it. Hmm. So then people want to talk to us and tell us their story, which we're more than happy to listen to because we like stories. My wife and I enjoy stories. We like telling, not stories aren't lies. It's just mm-hmm. a story, right? We like it stories. Story, we like to yeah. hear where someone comes from and what they're all about. And so we've met lots of people, yes. And we've heard lots of things. I've had this shared with me and I've shared it back a few times over the last few days on the show. And otherwise, uh, Greg Fish, he's one of our normal guests on Mondays on the show. Um, he's like a weird science guy, but he said this. He said, you'll never be worse off for knowing what someone else thinks. And I would translate that to you'll never be worse off for knowing someone else's story. Um, and he's so incredibly accurate with that one. Now the story has turned into more, um, Toby, we haven't spoken. It's been probably about six months or so. Um, the, um, my son, uh, this year would, we're scheduled to play in Logan's arena coming up, um, uh, in a couple of weeks before the, uh, Alberta elite hockey league shutdown, um, for a couple of weeks here. So I, I'm going to be in your neck of the woods and we're going to be in Logan's rank playing against Lethbridge here. Let me know. I can get in. Yeah, you know a guy, hey? <laughs> I know a guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so here we are through COVID and stuff, and I don't want to talk about COVID. I want to keep us on task, but, you know, it really is a good reminder of the importance of our health system and everything else. Are you, do you sit differently with this? Um, I learned from Mike that there was a transplant sort of shutdown window with the surgeries. It's possible. He's afraid that there could be another one. Have you? Do you have a different lens now and even different lens of the importance of the health system and all these things now too? The health system in Canada is incredibly important for all issues, as you've said, 
And as far as organ transplantation goes in Canada, it was shut down for about two months. And literally, literally, recoverable organs like Logan's that were recoverable were buried, cremated. Nothing could be done with them because they didn't want to open up operating rooms, which I don't understand, but that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And now we're back. We're going to open up a bit in the summer, and now that window is closing again rapidly, exponentially right now with obviously what's going on in Alberta and across the major provinces that actually do transplants. Not every not all the provinces do transplants in their province. Mm-hmm. So, were you aware of? Um, I didn't know that either. Holy cow! Um, were you aware of this sort of pay it forward notion that Mike told us about, where fa- like a family will help a family that will help a different family in order to bring a loop and bring it full circle in transplants? I sort of equated it to, uh, and I didn't mean it as a being an ass, but I sort of equated it to like paying it forward in a drive through. Like this is literally the amount of effort and work that's going in to make sure that this happens. I wasn't familiar. I'm not familiar with what Mike is talking about, but I'm familiar with what is called kidney chain transplants. Have you heard that term before? No. Uh, there's a record in the states. It's around forty. Really? So basically, you ha- you put your you put your kidney out chain as anonymous donor, but it doesn't match where you want to help your friend out, maybe. And yeah. so that person, so literally, it goes. It can go across. Let's say University Hospital in Toronto could do ten transplants that just go like a chain, junk, 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 and your kidney might end up in. Victoria, BC, and my kidney might end up in Calgary, but they all work. It takes a month or so or longer to make the chain happen. And then they literally line up the operating rooms and they make it happen. And just unroll it. It sounds very similar to what Mike said. Of course, I'm, I pay it forward as my words, not the proper language. Well, it's, it's, it's similar to what you're in because obviously Kathy, his sister requires a kidney transplant. Yeah. So I'm not saying that's what they're doing, but I, I'm familiar with the kidney transplant, the kidney chain it's called. Yeah. That's, it's remarkable. Um, man, humans are amazing, hey? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We just so did a story. A lady in Lethbridge just uh, donated her kidney, anonymous kidney transplant. She was going to do it before the crash, and then something happened in her family, and then the crash happened, and the Broncos came out, and then she read about Logan's story in her local paper, the Lethbridge Herald, and she's from Lethbridge like we are, and so she signed up to be an anonymous kidney donor, and she just donated like two weeks ago. Really, and we were and we were speaking at a virtual conference in Swift Current for the Sask Saskatchewan Lions Club for iBanks, right? iBank Lions Club iBank, and literally three or four days before that, it was brought to my attention that a lady from Regina, Brandy Hen, needed a transplant, a kidney transplant, and she went out, made a call for it, and and she utilized Logan Bull Effect and Green Shirt Day to help her, and it worked, and we got that information on video. And then we've got the story from Rhonda Dawes, and it all happened like within two days of our speaking. And our com- and our topic was this time was change the Logan Bule effect. So we were, my wife and I are like, are, "Are you kidding? It just dropped in our lap." Wow, so, I love it. Oh God, this is so reassuring that humans are are out there. So spreading the word is so incredibly important. We've got a lot of pre roll time here uh, because of it. So let's just throw out the green shirt day and what it is. The dates uh, we still got a few months, but let's throw it out now because we're on it. We're talking about it. And just in case somebody doesn't know, so tell us about the Green Shirt Day. Green Shirt Day was inspired by Logan Boulay and the Humble Broncos, and that's what it is. And so April 7th is the Logan Pass. So we ask people in Canada to wear green or yellow for on April 6th for the Humble Broncos. And April 7th, they wear green, or they can buy a T-shirt. It doesn't matter to me what you do, but it's to remember Logan and to remember organ donor awareness. There's no money made. It's just strictly wear green, or donor awareness, 
register, be inspired, tell your family, get her done. That's what it is. And it works. And it and works. The transplant associate, like the, the transplant community in Canada is it's across Canada. They, they're incredibly thankful that we allowed that we did what we did, I guess. And we allowed it to happen. Mm-hmm. We could have said, we could have said no, but we didn't. Well, and you could have shut down and I'll acknowledge you there, Toby, is that, I mean, you have, you have answered the call every time I've asked, um, you've had the conversations, the hard ones. I mean, we've had hard conversations. Um, and it, it is natural, I think, for people to shut down with tragedy and with hurt and with pain. And I know that you've stood in that pain and man to man, dad to dad, I can only imagine what it is you've gone through. But um, the fact that you've stood up and you continue to stand up, I think is an incredibly uh, important example to set uh, for so many uh, others, including men uh, right now. So I thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you, Shane. I appreciate it. My wife, she stands there with, I stand beside her. She stands beside me. Our daughter stands there. Our friends stand with us. It's, as my wife told the people in, the, in that room, Logan won't need his organs anymore, so how can we give them away? And and how can we, what can we do? We'd like to give them away. And, that, and she didn't, and she didn't know that's what Logan wanted to do. And I did know that, but I selfishly didn't tell her. And then I did tell her, obviously. Mm-hmm. But the decision to make that, it seems so hard. I just read today in some quick research on what we're going to talk about, what we're talking about. And I'm like, I'm reading people about, well, in the time of trauma, you just can't do it. So make sure you tell your family. It's like, well, tell your family. And literally, you got to step up. Mm-hmm. Like, if you could save someone's life, do you call 911 or you just keep driving? Right. You can stop your vehicle and jump out and do what you can as a, as a bystander. Like, I mean, either, I don't know. It's yeah, hard. Yeah. It's hard for me to, under, to understand people that don't get involved. I understand if it's a safety issue that, you know, the burning, the house is, the building's burning. Yeah. I get all that. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Our department's only, but if you can do something like anything, you need to help out. Well, and there's, safe. yeah. There's always someone affected um, right. in adjacent to it that you can help out. Yeah. Um, even if for some reason uh, you're not comfortable with getting into uh, the fire, if you will, uh, yeah. metaphorically. Um, I, absolutely. There's people on their way to really help, but if you can help someone right now, then you need to, I said, I was raised to believe that's my wife, her family was raised that way. That's how my family was raised. And that's how we raised our daughter and our son, Logan and Rico. And it's surprising that the people you hang out with, you make friends with over all years of your son plays hockey. They're all, we're all like-minded people. It's just not a shock there at all. It's not. It's not. It's really not. Well, there's the call. There's the call to the, we call the audience, uh, Toby, we call them shift heads. Um, so there's the call to the shift head family, um, you know, to just get involved. And yeah. nobody claims to know what get involved looks like for you. Um, but the call is to get involved. And the ask from Mike is to take care of our health so people that are involved can do what they do best. Um, as always, Toby, uh, thank you so much for sharing your heart. Um, I hope we can connect in a few weeks here safely, of course, and, um, and enjoy some hockey together. And, um, and I really appreciate sharing time with you again. Thank you, Shane. I appreciate the conversation and you can call anytime you want. I love it. Thank you. This is the shift daily podcast. We're going to have some fun here to get it all started. Um, it starts talking about airplanes and, um, a conversation about Max Ward. So this I had earlier in the day, uh, he was from Florida 
and um, uh, he's an aviation expert, like, wow, mind-blowing expert conversation that I had here. And I just really was looking forward to talking about a Canadian who had a massive impact on all of us and some of the things we didn't even know. And on aviation uh, in general is Keith Mackey from Mackey International. He's in Florida. He's an aviation safety consultant. And this is sort of how it all began earlier in the day for you. Good afternoon. Keith, here we are with, um, with so many things going on in aviation today. Man, has that world changed forever because of things COVID. The recovery is going to take a long time. And we're met with news about Max Ward passing away. Now, some people are going to say, Max Ward, I've probably heard that name. But they might not connect the dots about who this guy was and the impact he had on aviation in general, plus aviation in Canada. So um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, this guy? Because people will recognize Ward Air. But can you tell us a little bit more about Max Ward and the impact he had? Well, sure. His name was Maxwell William Ward, and he just recently passed away. He died November 2nd in Edmonton at age 98. Wow. He was born in Edmonton in 1921, and he learned to fly and then served as a flight instructor with the RCAF during the Second World War. So he trained a lot of pilots during the war himself. In 1944, he married Marjorie Skelton and remained married to her for 76 years until his passing. That's amazing. After he left the RCAF in 1945, he went on to fly as a bush pilot operating out of Peace River and the uh, Yellowknife area. And that worked out pretty well for him. So in 1946, he bought a small de Havilland biplane and set up his own operation called Polaris Air Charter in Yellowknife. And that operation involved flying prospectors and supplies into the far north in areas that had yet to be uh, properly mapped even. And this was before the days of GPS or any other kind of modern navigational aids. And the operation was successful. He did very well. In 1943, he got what we call a Class 4B charter certificate. And Ward Air was formed. Wow. He bought a brand new de Havilland Otter that would carry 14 people, single engine airplane, would operate on floats or wheels or skis as necessary. And that really increased this business a great deal. And over the next 25 years, he grew Ward Air into one of Canada's largest air carriers. Actually, it was the third largest air carrier in Canada. Well, and it got really big too, didn't it, Keith? Like, I mean, he was at a point with international travel, he had 747s. Like, this was no joke. He really did. In 1966, he got his first jet. He bought a brand new 727-100 from the factory. And that was the first 727 that ever operated in Canada. And then in the 70s and the 80s, he added 707s and eventually 747s. He had four of them. And he really became Canada's largest international air charter carrier. But what a guy. I mean, he pioneered the, the bush work in, uh, after the war in really rough country. And he was very much a hands-on CEO with Ward Air. I mean, he was into everything. He was into the, uh, the marketing and the management. And he had tremendous people skills, apparently. He'd get on an airplane, he'd walk through the 747, 
talking to everybody that was on there. He apparently was very much loved by not only his customers, but his staff as well. So he, he really did a good job of, of managing the companies. He, he was very much involved in the struggle for deregulation because at that time, up until we in the States deregulated our airlines, Canada was deregulated also. And actually looking at the picture from afar, that may not have been the best thing for Ward Air, hmm. but he did recognize that there was a huge market in leisure travel. And he decided that to capture this market, he'd have to give people some big bang for their bucks. So he really did a good job to provide value. He didn't make a lot of money, but he provided low fares and excellent service. Uh, unlike today, the cabin service was really excellent. The Even in coach, everything was served on Royal Dalton, China. Steaks huh. were cooked to order. Wine was served with the meals. What a deal. Certainly, you didn't have to pay for anything extra back then. Yeah, it's not like uh, today where you pay for your bags and you, you know, you might get a, um, a, a cracker, a sesame cracker and, and a bottle of water. Uh, if but you're lucky. If you're lucky. Well, and, and flying during COVID, I have flown, um, you know, that is even more limited now. If you're flying premium, um, you get premium today is what coach used to be kind of the snack box sort of, you know, scenario, even that's like an upgraded coach. And, uh, and maybe you get liquor, but the liquor is even inconsistent flight to flight. So it's, it's mind blowing. Looking back at some of these pictures of the Ward Air aircraft though, Keith, like these are amazing photos because in the background, if you look, you see that he's, you know, here's his 747 right next to uh, Virgin Airways 747. Here's, uh, here's, it looks like a 727 right next to uh, a CP Air. Remember the orange and silver CP airplanes um, with that classic, you know, those, those are the ones that have that classic uh, mismatch color nose cones on the front. Like um, this is really throwback 70s, 80s, aviation stuff here that really fundamentally became what we know today. It really was. He really uh, was involved in the market during that period. And looking at those pictures is certainly very interesting. I know that we used to uh, use the board air airplanes in the winter or in the summer in our airline down in Florida. They were beautiful airplanes. Now, did you fly um, some of those yourself? I did. Yes. The oh. 727s. Oh, that's great. What's the biggest aircraft you've ever flown? 747. Really, hey? Is yeah, it like the, was it like the love boat in the air though or was it responsive? It's a wonderful airplane. It's really? just absolutely an amazing airplane. Hmm. I I've done a lot of test flying in them and you can stall that airplane during a test flight of course, maintenance test flight. Hmm. I hold the wheel all the way back, never recover. The nose will come up, it'll shake and shake and shake and stall. And the nose will drop through, and the wings will never roll over one way or the other. It's just an amazing, wonderfully aerodynamic airplane. Hmm. It sounds an awful lot like stall training in a, a like one seventy two Cessna or something. <laughs> Same thing, except it's even more docile than the one seventy two. No way, really. Um, have really? you had a, have you had a chance to fly in the Dreamliner? No, I have not. Yeah, that's an amazing one too for how. You can feel the power, and it's so quiet. Um, I, if everyone, I say to everybody who gets a chance to, to get into uh, an airplane. When you look at 
um, what's out there, like when you book your flight um, and uh, you can see your aircraft. If you have a chance to book a flight on a Dreamliner, that's a, that's a beautiful experience. So when we look at this sort of discount travel, um, plus we look at vacation travel, all those things today, we start to see a bit of a model here. Like we've got the, the Southwest and WestJet, at least how they started scenario um, in regards to, you know, the discount travel. Plus then you have some of these uh, international travelers, uh, airlines that are out there as well. So, you know, is, is this the, the model that was created come from a guy like, um, you know, Ward Air and, and Max Ward? Well, yeah, because what he did is he tried to uh, integrate the whole system vertically. He wanted to supply the air transportation, your ground transportation, your hotel, all your accommodations, tours, everything in a complete package. And they became very good at doing that. It sounds a lot like Air Transat today, really. Yes, it's uh, Air Transat is following pretty much in the footsteps of Ward Air's model, I would say. Wow. So for anybody who's ever been on a vacation, um, you know, on the vacation end of even WestJet vacations, Air Canada vacations, Air Transat, all of those, Thomas Cook, um, you know, this is this is where some of those ideas came from. So uh, that's that's mind blowing. Now, here we are, Keith, you know, looking at COVID, uh, it's very different to fly. Uh, frankly, I feel safer flying now than ever before because of the nature of um, you know, the, the spacing and frankly, everyone's wearing masks on airplanes and the filters on airplanes are so good. Um, but there are some changes that are going to be coming because Max 8 should be back. Um, some of the murmurs are saying soon. Have you, do you have any inside scoop there on, on what people are going to see? Because I think that, you know, we have a bunch of airplanes that haven't flown in a year and a half and airlines are going to want to put some miles on those and take miles off some of these other ones that have been working in the meantime. Well, there are about, I think, 400 airplanes that have been delivered to airlines that haven't been used yet. And all of those airplanes are going to have to be modified with a new software, some new hardware to meet the uh, new standards that are set for the airplane to return it to service. And then, of course, there's going to be the normal service because they've been parked for so long. So this will take a bit of time to do. As far as I know, in the United States... There's only one flight scheduled. That's on December 29th on American Airlines from New York to Miami. So that'll be the first use of the airplane. And I think that Southwest, who has a number of them, isn't planning on getting them into service until sometime in the spring of 2021. Hmm. So there's really no need for them right now. Boeing, I think, has 400 or 450 of them parked that haven't been delivered. So we've, we've got a lot of airplanes that uh, really have nowhere to go. Uh, They certainly aren't needed. A year ago, the airlines would be struggling to try to get them online, but now with this COVID thing and so many flights canceled, it's unusual because there's no need for the airplane. So it'll be a a slow progression into getting the system back online again. Is that one of those things? Kind of good because people are going to be a little cautious about flying in the airplane after all the events that have taken place. Mm -hmm. And as they get online for a while and they slowly become a norm to ride on this airplane, I think that they'll be accepted a lot better than to put a bunch of them into service immediately and have people not wanting to get on them and the confusion that that would uh, provoke. 
Have you heard any gossip about renaming the aircraft in order to avoid some of that? Because, I, I mean, there have been some uh, aircraft that have come out painted as Max 8, but instead coming out with their actual number, which is the 737-8200 or 8000 um, with the, 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 on the side of the plane. So have you heard any of that? I've heard those rumors. I don't think that Boeing would want to do it. If Boeing did it, it would be too obvious as to what was going on. Now, airlines may call them something else and may change the, the numbering or the, the name of what they're called somehow or other, but uh, I don't think they're going to fool anybody. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, does it, how much does it cost? I mean, not dollars, for example, but, you know, uh, metaphorically, um, because keeping these aircraft parked, they still have to be maintained when they're parked. Um, and then you have... Is it, that must be a limiting factor when these aircraft are coming back into service because, or, or bringing a Max 8 online and taking a, a 737-700 offline. Um, you know, there's so many costs associated to that. Would that be an inhibiting factor of, of bringing these Max 8s back online? Yes, particularly those that haven't been delivered yet. Hmm. Uh, aircraft, as you know, accrue hours in the air and also calendar time that limits the uh, the maintenance and the things that have to be done. Some things are done per the calendar and some per hours flown. So anything that uh, required a calendar maintenance schedule probably has to be done over again to get these things back in the air. And then if the engines haven't been run or something like that, I imagine they've been pretty careful on, on doing these sorts of things to keep them to the point where they could be delivered in the fairly near future. But uh, Time will tell. I don't think there's going to be any rush to get them back in the air. I think six months from now, there'll still be a lot of them on the ground. Um, and this just occurred to me too. I don't know the answer to this is that when there's an aircraft delivered, like a brand new Max 8 or whatever, um, the bigger airlines, I think they put in their own interiors, don't they? And then they're delivered pretty naked or does Boeing deliver them customized interior too? You can order them any way you want. Oh. And some airlines elect to uh, use different cabin spacing, different seating arrangements. So they're they're pretty well customized. I imagine the ones that Boeing has built and not yet sold do not have the interiors completed so that they could be configured in any way that the airline might desire. And maybe some of them will be cargo airplanes for a while. Well, that seems to be the go-to for a lot of these is uh, there's so many uh, so much demand on cargo um, with online ordering and everything. Particularly COVID. now. Yeah. Um, in fact, um, a lot of the um, the old aircraft that are getting decommissioned are going straight to cargo. You hear that about four uh, sevens, six sevens, and all of those, you know, big beasts that some of the cargo companies are just scooping them up because they're super cheap to buy. Um, they might get a year or two out of them and they can haul an awful lot of heavy stuff. That's true. That's what usually happens to most of the passenger aircraft as they're phased out of the passenger operation. <clears throat> a cargo door is installed and the uh, rollers and flooring is changed to accommodate cargo. And uh, they operate for many years as cargo airplanes. Uh, it's a good conversation, you know, and it all starts uh, with Max Ward in Canada. The impact that he had on all of this today um, and what a legacy he has left behind um, it's oh, a he neat story. He has. He had so many awards uh, in his career. He had the Order of Canada 
the Alberta Order of Excellence, the Order of Polaris. He had seven honorary degrees from Canadian universities. He was inducted in the Business Hall of Fame and was one of the originals in uh, Canada's Aviation Hall of Fame in 1974. So what a guy. I mean, he was a larger than, literally, larger than life guy. I wonder how many hours he had on his license. I don't know. I think that he flew. I knew he flew up until the 2000s. I don't know whether he was still flying near the end of his life, but I believe that he did fly the bigger aircraft on the airline as well. So he had quite a bit of experience. Can you imagine that? You're, uh, you're sitting in your seat, you're about to fly somewhere nice, and the captain comes on and introduces himself and says, hey, this is Max Ward, welcome to Ward Air, and realize that the guy who built it all and owns it is the one who's taking you on your vacation. That probably has happened. Yeah. No doubt. Well, you hear stories about WestJet and um, inside WestJet, the the executives flying inside their own normal airplanes. And when they're there, they introduce themselves and say, if you have any questions, come up and say, hi, I'm in seat 4C or whatever. Um, and uh, it sounds like a model that really is just echoed from what Max Ward created. Right. He'd walk through the cabin when he was a passenger and uh, just chat with the people. He was a, a very tall slender man, very recognizable. He really stood out. So there would be no doubt, doubt as to who they were talking to. Hmm. Uh, Max Ward, very cool conversation. Keith Mackey from Mackey International Aviation Safety Consultant. And I'm just going to call you Keith overall airplane geek. Is that fair? There you go. That's close enough. <laughs> Thanks for sharing the time, man. I really appreciate this conversation. So good. It's a pleasure. This is the Shift Daily Podcast. Are you okay with Matt's mask? <laughs> yeah, I, I, the medium fails us, but uh, it's a lot less muffly than the mask I wore earlier this week because uh, my main man, Leo, is uh, here training with me tonight. Uh, he's going to be running the board a little bit more tonight. Uh, my my present mask I got, my wife got me because I previously had a giant beard. And uh, it was meant to accommodate the width and girth of such a beard. Mm. but uh now it's just beautiful. a big floppy black mask and just I, I love it man i have it to tuck good on you matt thank you thank you jason um i have to like tuck it into my shirt in order to like make it not be so floppy but it's just uh it's hard to drink a beverage it's hard to smoke a cigarette it's just it's just hard but you know it's in the interest of public safety and being safe around here when training folks you gotta mask up Got a mask out, buddy. You look like a little bit of the ginger bandito. I feel like a bandito. It's cool. Okay. I'm okay with the mask. I'm okay with Matt's chin drape. Looks good. Yeah, it is. It, that's how I would describe it uh, for folks that can't see it. It's like a chin drape. Are you okay? Are you okay with free Thanksgiving dinner? <gasps> yes. I'm free with I'm I'm okay with free dinner just in general, but if it happens to be on Thanksgiving, then hey, why not? Oh yeah, man, free turkey, no, this didn't free happen stuffing. In, oh. This didn't happen in Canada. Maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll do it here, but Walmart has teamed up with several different brands to offer free Thanksgiving dinner to customers during the pandemic. Which means, um, you know, they've got to find a way to give it away, but they're not actually giving it away. 
Um, Ibotta, Campbell's, Butterball, Coca-Cola, all of those have teamed up with Walmart with coupons of cashback offers. So if you go buy your stuff from them, they have all kinds of coupons and ways that when you redeem them, you get your stuff for free down in the States for Thanksgiving. Neat idea. Here's a clip. But we can't talk about Thanksgiving without telling you about Walmart's offer. They want to make sure everyone gets a Thanksgiving dinner this year. The retailer is giving away several items for free, including butterball turkeys, mashed potatoes, stuffing, and more as part of their free Thanksgiving dinner program. Well, how about that? Can you imagine free flapper pie? (laughs) Could you imagine free? Oh my God. Could you imagine free flipper pie? Hmm. I mean, yeah. <laughs> are, are you okay? You're changing the subject there. I, I was. Is that okay? Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I figured it was best for just self-preservation in our employment world. Totally. Are you okay with Canadian ketchup? Uh, I'm, I'm okay with uh, ketchup that comes from anywhere. Um... I should maybe I should be careful of saying that, but you know, I'm my primary experience has been you know in Canada with ketchup, so I will say yes um, because it goes well on pretty much anything. Yeah, it's a, it's a yes for me too. I think um, any ketchup that's outside of the Philippines is good ketchup. Just remember that if you ever travel to the Philippines, you'll you'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, is it not the same? Uh, in Philippines, they have a thing called, uh, they don't really have ketchup. It's called banana ketchup. Um, and I'll let you uh, imagine what that tastes like. Oh. Yeah, no. Wow. Hey, but but Filipinos love it. Like, I, but just just personally for me, I, I'll stick to uh, regular ketchup. Regular? Yeah, no. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, everybody's palate is different, right? Uh, you know, when you're, when you're everybody's global palate is different. So who are we to say that banana ketchup is gross? Ketchup or catsup? Ketchup. 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 So Heinz, um, synonymous with ketchup for most people, was kind of a latecomer to the ketchup game. Didn't know this. They were the ones that referred to their product as catsup. Switched to ketchup afterwards so there was the catsup and then there was the ketchup and there was sort of the assertions that one was canadian one was not canadian anyway to the story let's get the clip and then we'll oh no this is from a couple of years ago this is why this is a big deal is this story from a couple of years years ago let's get the clip our organization is very much in its infancy right now and we're looking for big ideas to disrupt the marketplace you have to have three things you have to want it and you have to deliver results and you have to work with others to get those results. Live by our values, right? That's ownership, that's integrity, innovation, quality, and focusing on our consumer. The ability to learn on the fly, uh, to be open, be very positive, and obviously think big, like take some chances. The most successful people at Kraft Heinz are people who are driven, uh, who look to drive results, love working hard and love taking on new opportunities and never taking no for an answer. We don't care where you come from, we're just looking to see that you're willing to work hard and that you're smart and then are, are going to take the initiative. So 
really be open to just about anything that comes your way here. Uh, you need to be flexible and adaptable. Uh, you need to own your career and accept new challenges. And you need to broaden your skill sets to something beyond what you normally do. So that's a that's a storyline of what it's what, like working at Heinz. And it's funny because that storyline is the same storyline that created Heinz moving. Oh, five, four years ago, six years ago, they moved and they moved away from Canada. And there's a text that says, isn't ketchup made in Leamington? Maybe it is, but I don't know if it's high. It wasn't Heinz because if Heinz left, they did. They pulled all of it out. And there was a big controversy. There was many Canadians stopped buying Heinz ketchup because it was made in Canada. And then they stopped making it in Canada. They were importing it. And then they were like, well, you're still going to have ketchup because we're going to bring it in from America. But um, Canadians were pissed. So now with the help of the Quebec government, the company's Montreal factory is set to begin um, making more ketchup in Canada with Kraft Heinz again next summer. So it is going to be, and they said 98% of all the ketchup is going to be made with um, from Canadian uh, production facility. That's, so that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know I if, so. um, I don't know if uh, ketchup is made in Leamington, Ontario, but I know that Hawkins cheesies are made in Belleville, Ontario. And that's really all that matters. <laughs> if we're going to talk about matter. Canadian food products, that's really the only one that matters is Hawkins cheesies. It's the only one that matters to this guy right here. Yeah. Very good. All right. Um, are you okay? Are you okay with Shane doing the show from Hawaii for a couple of months? Uh, it's Hawaii and Pacific time? Why is Pacific time? Are they right? Pacific time? No, they're they're not. They're earlier. Um, I mean, it might be a logistical challenge. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking about how it affects my work as a producer of the show if you're going to be in a different time zone. But, um, yeah. but if you want to do it, man, go ahead. I'm going to be three hours behind you if I do it. It's Hawaii Aleutian Standard Time. Um, so basically, I would be in the early evening supper time doing the program. The, here's the thing. The hardest part about doing radio uh, from Hawaii, I've learned, is the wind of the through the palm trees, and you have to close the louvers because the palm trees are too loud when, the, when it's windy outside. So these are first world problems. Got to tell you. The reason why I ask you this question is not because I'm planning on it anytime soon, but Hawaii has the quarantine rule and they had allowed a three day, 72 hour COVID test and from all kinds of places, not Canada just yet. Um, if you had a COVID test on paper that you were clear, you didn't have to isolate when you went into Hawaii, not like in, in America where you can just go in, you can go do what you want in Hawaii. You had to isolate. And now they have agreed that they're going to include Canada on that list. So just saying, I mean, we got to be responsible. And I do agree with the doctors unless it, you know, is extremely important to you and, uh, and your family. Um, you know, you got to be smart here. But in theory, if you had a private COVID test that was printed in proof and you could fly and arrive in Hawaii in less than 72 hours after that test was administered, you can go on vacation. And with the pilot project that's going on at the Calgary International Airport, you can get a COVID test the minute you land in the airport and not have to isolate if you're clear when you come back, just take another test a few days later. It's a really great example of working forward in creating what travel looks like. So it is possible. You could go to Hawiwi and uh, not isolate there, not isolate when you come back, if you could pull it off. Just saying. I feel like we should have some Hawaiian music here. I wasn't prepared. 
Should have brought you some of my amazing Hawaiian reggae pop. Hey, I should have. I really should have. I can do better. I'm letting you down. I am absolutely. That is a fantastic dance right there. Absolutely fantastic. But yeah, I, um, yeah. There we go. You probably can't hear that. Anyway, while we do this, I can turn this up. Wake up my kids. There we go. Ooh. There we go. Now I feel better. Oh, this is this is a Friday vibe right now. This is it is right. Oh man, does that make you feel good? Yeah. Right. Top I've never down. I've I've never been to Hawaii before, but this is what I imagine like the everywhere you go, in, like Hawaii. Everywhere Amazing. you go, buddy. That's what it is. It I have to go like once that. COVID's done, man. I gotta go. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Tune into the show online or on the radio.